your host, Terry Hutchins of CNHI Sports Indiana. And today we'll talk about several topics, both on the basketball and the football front. Lots to talk about in basketball, as Indiana has now won three games in a row, having beaten Illinois on Wednesday night at Assembly Hall, 78-68, to to give Indiana a three-game winning streak heading into the final three regular season games before IU heads to New York City to play in the Big Ten tournament at Madison Square Garden. So we can talk about that. We'll talk about Indiana's postseason chances at this point. Also take a look ahead at the Big Ten tournament, get a feel for uh, when Indiana may play, uh, you know, potentially who they could play, where they could be seated. We can look at all of that. And at the same time, we'll talk a little football too, as last week Tom Allen and his staff signed 26 players total. Most of them had been signed in February and we talked or February in December and we had talked about them then. The other, the last four were signed in February. And uh So we will go back and visit that class. I have an interview with Matt Weaver of Pigs.com, you know, the guy that knows all about Indiana football recruiting, and he kind of goes through that class and gives an idea of just how strong this class is. And if needs were met, and in a couple of cases, you know, maybe where – Indiana is still going to be a little suspect moving forward, but we'll talk about all of that with Matt Weaver coming up here in a later segment of the podcast. But let's dive right into the basketball. And again, I I mentioned at the top that Indiana beat Illinois 78 to 68 on Wednesday night at Assembly Hall, and what that did is that gave the Hoosiers Um, Their third win in a row, they beat Rutgers uh, last, a week ago Monday, in Piscataway, came home and then beat Minnesota on Friday, and then, again, Wednesday night, knocked off Illinois, and again, it's not, you know, this isn't Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State caliber teams by any stretch. But at the same time, this was the part of the schedule, this final third of the schedule, if you will, where Indiana was going to have to really make up a lot of ground if they were going to have any chance at, uh, at postseason play of any kind. Indiana went into this stretch with an even 12-12 and record overall. They were 5-7 and in Big Ten play before they opened this final third of the season, where, again, they were going to play Rutgers, Minnesota, Illinois, and then follow that with Iowa, Nebraska, and Ohio State. Four of those teams looked winnable on paper for sure. You can make a case for Nebraska, although the Cornhuskers are playing really well this year. And then Ohio State's in first place in the Big Ten. That will be a challenge, but at the same time, it's senior night, and it'll be at home. And so, you know, anything can happen in that kind of game, too. But so they went into that final third, obviously needing to make something happen. 
had only won one road game all year in Big Ten play, and that was at Minnesota back on January the 6th before they went to Rutgers on Monday night, February the 5th, and played in Piscataway. And Indiana played really well that night. Uh, You know, right across the board, uh, Jawan Morgan had another big game, 24 points and 8 rebounds, 10 of 14 from the field. And Robert Johnson had, I think he scored 19 points, knocked down three three three-pointers. Indiana played well enough to win. The, what really helped them was is that their defense just completely shut down Rutgers. Uh, Corey Sanders, just a few days before, had scored a career-high 31 points against Purdue. And then two days later, comes back and really struggles against Indiana. He's 1 of 11 from the field, 1 of 4 from three-point range. He scores nine points in 33 minutes. And Rutgers... Managed just 43 points that night, 16 in the first half, 27 in the second. Indiana wins 65 to 43, and that kind of started that last six-game stretch. Then they came back, you know, three or four days later. They play Minnesota on Friday night, um, February the 9th, at Assembly Hall. It's the second time they had played Minnesota. They had beat them up in. Minneapolis back on January the 6th like I mentioned they beat him up there 75-71 that was the game where Indiana was playing without Deron Davis for the first time and they also didn't have Colin Hartman Minnesota didn't have you know Reggie Lynch and they didn't have Amir Coffey and so that was kind of a, a strange game anyway Indiana goes up there and gets that win comes back on again on Friday February the 9th, just having beaten Rutgers. And Indiana, you know, played in a similar fashion as it had against Rutgers, especially defensively, held uh, Minnesota to 33% shooting. Now, in those two games against Rutgers and Minnesota, they held those two opponents to 29% from the field and 29% from three-point range. It's going to be tough to win in the Big Ten shooting like that. And then offensively, you had, uh, a, you know, Mr. Steady is Jawan Morgan with 19 and 9. But then you had Devontae Green, who really stepped up, uh, got a start for the, the second game in a row, scores 19 points, 5 of 7 from the field, 7 assists in 31 minutes. And Indiana wins 80 to 56. So. They beat Rutgers by 22 on Monday. They beat Minnesota by 24 on Friday. Have a couple of days off. Come back against Illinois. I think most people will um, quickly say that when you look back on this Indiana basketball season, there's going to be a couple of games that you know you really point to that if the Hoosiers had found a way to win, they could have been in a, a much different position come postseason play or the potential for it. Illinois was clearly one of those games because, you know, back on uh, January the 24th, Indiana went to Illinois and got beat uh, 73-71. This is an Illinois team that came into uh, Wednesday night's game just 2-11 in the Big Ten, 12-14 overall. But that 2-11, one of those wins had been against Indiana. And so... 
you know, you were thinking going into this that, you know, Indiana might be able to to have a similar performance as it did against Rutgers and Minnesota and, you know, get this three-game winning streak going into the final three. And, I mean, ultimately that does happen. Indiana wins the game 78-68. to 68. It wasn't a thing of beauty by any means. But uh, at the same time, you know, the Hoosiers got it done. They had uh, some of their best balance of the year. There's no question about that. They had five guys scoring double figures and one other scored nine. And Jawan Morgan, Robert Johnson uh, both had 14 points. And then a surprise guy in that also with 14 was Al Durham. Uh, Durham came off the bench and scored 14 points in 24 minutes, hit five of six shots from the field. It was really kind of a bench theme. The starters scored 40 against Illinois Wednesday night. The bench players scored 38, and it was three guys doing all the damage. It was Al Durham with 14, Justin Smith with 13, and Josh Newkirk with 11. Newkirk came in, Devontae Green went down kind of awkwardly and clutching his ankle with 10 or 11 minutes to go in regulation. Josh Newkirk came in and played the rest of the game and, uh, and, and made some plays down the stretch. Those three guys combined to go uh, 14 for 19 from the field and, again, scored 38 points, and that was big for Indiana. They were also, uh, you know, seven of nine from the free throw line. But the key thing is, is that guys were able to get together. They were able to make plays at a time when um, Indiana definitely needed it. There was a, Indiana was up by ten at at halftime, but I think six or seven minutes into the second half, it was a two-point game. I think it was a, it was two points at three different occasions. But Illinois was never able to get completely over the top and take the lead. And Indiana was able to maintain that 7, 8, 9, 10-point lead down the stretch and find a way to get that win. So that made three wins in a row. Uh, Indiana has had three stretches this year where they won three games in a row. And so now... But they've never been able to get that fourth one. And so that's what will be ahead of them coming up on Saturday afternoon when the Hoosiers traveled to Iowa City and play Iowa in a 2 p.m. game on ESPN2. It's one of those things, again, um, there was a stretch early. Indiana beat South Florida, Arkansas State, and Eastern Michigan to win three in a row, but then faced number one Duke which snapped that three-game winning streak. Uh, Later in Big Ten play, Indiana beats Minnesota on the road, comes home and beats Penn State and Northwestern, and then has to go on the road and play Michigan State, looking to extend that win streak to four games. So, and and lost that ball game. Well, this time, it's a different kind of opponent. It's, It's a... Uh, it's an Iowa team that you've already beaten once at home. Uh, back in December, they beat them 77-64. to 64. Maybe a different Iowa team, maybe playing a little bit better. But at the same time, the Hawkeyes, 
I think are three and ten or three and eleven in conference play, and so you're looking at a team that, I mean, on paper again, you should be successful against, but it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten, especially if you're, you know, not an elite level Big Ten opponent or Big Ten team. So that will be an interesting game for Indiana on Saturday as they try to win that that fourth game in a row for the first time in the Archie Miller era. But so that's kind of the recap of the last three games. And, you know, talked a little bit about, you know, what's coming up now. And, you know, as we kind of look ahead, uh, both at the Big Ten tournament, uh, these final three regular season games, I mentioned they're in Iowa on Saturday at 2 o'clock um, in a game that will be televised on ESPN2. Then on Tuesday, Indiana travels to Lincoln and plays a really good Nebraska team. Um, as of today, uh, the Cornhuskers are 11-4 and in Big Ten play. And a lot of people think have a, a real good chance to go 14-4, and which would include a win over Indiana. Nebraska's been really tough at home this year. I think they've only, won, only lost one game, and that was uh, to Kansas late. And so you have Iowa and Nebraska back-to-back on the road. Won't be easy. Again, this is an Indiana team that, to this point anyway, is 2-5 and five on the road in Big Ten play. And then on Friday, February the 23rd, the Hoosiers will play host to Ohio State on senior night. You know, lots of uh, seniors on this roster. And uh, it'll be the final time for them to play at Assembly Hall. Guys like Robert Johnson, Josh Newkirk, Freddie McSwain, um, Colin Hartman, and, uh, and Tim Priller. But you got guys that'll be their last game. It's always an emotional night, senior night. And so even though Ohio State's 13-1 and going into Thursday night's game against Penn State, you just have to think that that kind of atmosphere and that kind of uh, you know setting would give Indiana a chance. It certainly gave them a chance against Purdue and Michigan State. Uh, both games were home losses, but Indiana played really well in both of those games. Indiana played really well against Duke back in November when Duke came to town as the number one team in the nation. And I think Indiana had a like a 75-74 lead, something like that, um, with you know five or six minutes to go in that ball game before Duke went on a little run at the end and beat them 91 to 81. So the when you look at it, they're all they're three very interesting games. You know there are people that that believe that Indiana can go on this run and close out and get these three wins and have a six-game winning streak heading into the Big Ten tournament. I think it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done, but at the same time, you know, those of us who have seen a lot of Indiana basketball over the years, uh, you know, (laughs) you have to make believers out of us, I guess is what I'm saying, just because, you know, we've seen these kinds of games in the past that, or these kinds of, you know, where Indiana will get you feeling like they're about to do something special 
and then they'll struggle on the road against someone like Iowa. Or, I mean, Nebraska is not going to be a, uh, I mean, Nebraska will be favored for sure. Ohio State likely will be favored as well. And so, you know, it won't be an easy stretch. But again, it is a, a stretch where you potentially could get a couple more wins and have some momentum going into uh, the Big Ten tournament. Let's talk about the Big Ten tournament first before we talk about postseason chances. Uh, Big Ten tournament-wise, you're looking right now, that starts on Wednesday, February the 28th, where the uh, bottom four seeds will play. There'll be a, a game between the 11 seed and the 14 seed, and a second game between 12 and 13. Those will be the only two games scheduled on Wednesday night. The winners will move on. You'll have a total of four games on Thursday night and four more on Friday, and then two on Saturday and one on Sunday. Um, Right now, Indiana's going to play on Thursday. The win over Illinois Wednesday night clinched that Indiana does not have to play in the first day of the Big Ten tournament, so they won't be one of the bottom four seeds. Right now, Indiana's sitting right there around sixth or seventh in the Big Ten. I'm going into tonight where Ohio State plays Penn State. Indiana is now 8-7 and seven in Big Ten play. Penn State right now is 8-6. and six. Remember, if there's any kind of a tie between Indiana and Penn State, Indiana will um, get the nod over Penn State because they only played once this season, and Indiana beat them on January the 9th, 74-70. And so... Indiana would hold the tiebreaker. And so right now it's looking like Indiana will be either the 6 or the 7 seed more than likely. Um, what that would mean for the Big Ten tournament is that you would play your first game on Thursday. If you're the 7 seed, you would play it in the 6.30 time slot on Thursday and you'd play the 10 seed. Um, so... Um, but let's look at it from the six-seed standpoint only because of this, is that Penn State has a really grueling final four games. Yes, they're eight and six right now, but they play um, Ohio State Thursday night, uh, tonight. They play still play Purdue. They play Michigan, and then they play at Nebraska. That's their last four games. I mean, they're going to have a hard time winning two of those games. Um, and even if they do, you know, that might not be enough in order for them to get a higher seed in the Big Ten tournament than Indiana. So let's just look at Indiana from a six seed standpoint right now. Um, if they got the six seed, they would play Thursday night probably around 9 o'clock. Um, Again, the uh, 7 and 10 play at 6.30, and then uh, 6 plays approximately 30 minutes after the completion of that game. And 6 would play the winner of the uh, 11-14 matchup. And again, that's hard to say who that would be. Right now, it would be Illinois, Minnesota, something like that. But the bottom four seeds will very likely be Illinois, Minnesota, Iowa, and Rutgers. So it'll be a team from that combination, one of those teams. And 
And the, the good news for Indiana right now is that of those four teams, Rutgers, Iowa, Minnesota, and Illinois, Indiana has a record of 5-1. and one. Uh, They beat Illinois. They split with Illinois. They beat Minnesota twice. And they beat Iowa and Rutgers once each. And they still play Iowa one more time. So that's probably what you're looking at there. If you can survive that, then you move on to Friday. And Friday, the top four teams that got had got double buys going into Friday. If you're in that sixth slot, you would play the three seed. And the three seed, I mean, could be... Ohio State, Purdue, or Michigan State. So it's you're definitely going to have your hands full, but you're going to be on a neutral site at Madison Square Garden, and uh, could make for some definitely for some entertaining basketball. So that's the Big Ten tournament. Just at a rough glance, again February 28th to the through March 4th, Madison Square Garden in New York City, and the difference this year between every other year. Uh, in the last 20 years is that when the Big Ten tournament ends on March the 4th, all Big Ten teams will have a full week uh, leading up to Selection Sunday on March 11th because Madison Square Garden was double booked, Indiana playing in it um, just for the one time before going back on the uh, rotation with Chicago and Indianapolis uh, the Big Ten Tournament will be held in Chicago in 2019 and 2021, back in Indianapolis on in 2020 and 2022. And then it'll resume its regular schedule where the Big Ten Championship game will be played the afternoon of Selection Sunday. This year, different, have a full week off, and we'll see how Big Ten teams choose to use that time to... You know, stay sharp and get prepared for the NCAA tournament or, you know, whatever tournament, uh, you know, different Big Ten teams will be playing in. Let's talk about that real quickly, though. And that's and basically what you have there is that you have a lot of guys out there that I talk to who are getting excited all of a sudden about Indiana winning three games in a row, have three more potentially winnable games here at the end. And people saying, you know, what happens if Indiana wins six in a row? Then goes to the Big Ten tournament and wins a couple of games. I mean, is that enough to get them into the NCAA tournament? My gut feeling says no. My gut feeling says that, you know, basically Indiana's got to win the Big Ten tournament in order to get in. Because even if, let's just say, hypothetically, Indiana wins these last six games, or these last three, to give them a six-game winning streak going into the Big Ten tournament. If that's the case, Indiana's 18-12 and 12 overall. And, um, and now you play in the Big Ten tournament. Let's say you win two games in the Big Ten tournament. Heck, let's say you win three and you get to the Big Ten title game. All of a sudden now, you will have won nine games in a row. You, you'll have had a couple of decent wins um, on Friday and Saturday. But is it enough to really get you in? Um, at that point, your record would be 21-12 and 12 
going into the Big Ten title game, and you'd have all this momentum, and you'd be winning at the right time of the year, and all those different things. The problem is their body of work to this point is just not good enough. Um, Right now, as we sit here today, even with these last three wins in a row, you know, Indiana, when you look at the top 50 teams in the nation and what Indiana's record is against the top 50, IU is 0-8 against the top 50. 51 to 100, they're 3-0. So they're 3-8 against top 100 teams. And, you know, they don't really have, you know, that signature win. You know, people will point to Notre Dame when they played back on December 16th in the Crossroads Classic and Indiana beats Notre Dame 80 to 77 in overtime, which and at that time it was a pretty good win. But since then, you know, the Irish have been without Bonzi Colson and uh, Farrell for a while. All of a sudden it's not the same Notre Dame team, one that's struggling. And so that win, you know, maybe doesn't count as much as you were hoping it was going to at, at one time. You know, Indiana played okay at Seton Hall. It was a good team. Uh, didn't play particularly well at Michigan. Had a couple of good games uh, with Purdue and Michigan State, but there were losses. You really don't have that signature win. Uh, you know, your Big Ten road wins so far are Minnesota and Rutgers. Nothing too crazy. Not, nothing to get excited about there. But as every Indiana basketball fan has to know, when this season is going to be reviewed um, in the future, whether it's, you know, at the time when people are looking at bubble teams or whatever, Indiana State losing by 21 points in the season opener back on November the 10th in Assembly Hall. That one's going to be huge, especially since Indiana State hasn't had a particularly good year. Fort Wayne, same thing. Fort Wayne came into Assembly Hall December the 18th, right after IU had beaten Notre Dame. Yeah, it was a quick two-day turnaround, but Fort Wayne throttles Indiana 92-72. to Two 20-point losses to mid-major teams from the state of Indiana in non-conference play, and that was going to be a tough hurdle to get over. Then you add in Wisconsin. If ever you were going to beat Wisconsin on the road, this was the year. Wisconsin's down, has played down throughout the Big Ten season. Uh, IU didn't have an answer for Ethan Happ, and and was, the Badgers won 71 to 61 back on the 2nd of January. You know, that's another game that's going to hurt them. And then we talked about Illinois, 73-71 on January the 24th. So you look at those four games. Those are four bad losses. Um, you know, it's when you look at it and you're thinking, oh, you know, how, how bad of a loss can it be to lose at Wisconsin? Well, if we're talking, you know, past Big Ten years, I get it. This is a different Big Ten. This is not a particularly talented Big Ten season. This is a Big Ten year where you have three teams, Ohio State, Purdue, and Michigan State, that have really separated themselves. Michigan's right there on the fringe, and Nebraska's trying to join the party. But again, as I mentioned, 
uh, hearing Joe Lenardi, the bracketologist from ESPN, talk early this week, he was saying that because Nebraska doesn't have really have that signature win either, if Nebraska finished 14 and four in the Big Ten, that might not be good enough to make the tournament. And I think a lot of people look at that and just kind of shake their head because it used to be if you had a winning record in Big Ten play, you were pretty much guaranteed that you were going to find your way into the field. Um, I think there's been a few 10 and 8 teams that haven't made it, but boy, 11 and 7 or better have you know almost always made it. And you've got Nebraska sitting here right now at 11 and 4. And a lot of people thinking they have a good chance to win out and win those final three. So that's kind of what it looks like there. Um, now, at the same time, that's talking about the NCAA tournament. If Indiana continues to win some games here and get some momentum, I would think that Indiana would be an attractive NIT team because, uh, you know, the NIT is always looking for for teams that have a, a good following like Indiana. And uh, and so I could see that one happening. But again, um, it, it's going to depend a lot on how Indiana finishes from here with these last three regular season games and then what they do in the Big Ten tournament. So that, that takes us through basketball. Let's talk a little bit about football, though. Like I mentioned at the top, Indiana ended up signing a 26-man football class. And again, earlier in the year, um, back in December, IU signed the bulk of those guys and then wrapped up the class here um, last week. And then Tom Allen had a press conference where he kind of talked about the entire class as a whole. And after that, uh, I sat down with Matt Weaver of Pigs.com to talk about IU's football signing class, what he liked, maybe what he didn't like, and, you know, just some of these quarterback, the quarterback competition and and some different things, and and these late signees, what he liked about those guys, and you got some good mid-year enrollees. But anyway, I had a chance to sit down with Matt Weaver of Pigs.com, and here's that interview. Visiting with Matt Weaver of Pigs.com, just said he's been there 10 years, kind of hard to believe, but uh, Matt, just talk about, well, first talk about the last three guys that signed all defensive guys, all from Florida. All, I mean, looks a couple of them look like they could be impact guys right away. Yeah, Jamar Johnson, the, the, the safety that he committed, uh, I think January 25th, so he was kind of in the boat coming into yesterday. But Jonathan King and James Miller, two guys that they'd worked hard on, um, Jonathan King, I felt really good about him signing with IU yesterday. James Miller, it really looked like FSU earlier in the week, and then it just kind of, they just kept working it and working it. And I mean, you can't go see him because it was a quiet period, but you can call him and all that. And I think he's a guy, especially at linebacker, with the, with the uh, you know, the guys they've lost, T. Gray and Covington and Damian Willis. Um, he's a guy that middle linebacker spot. I think he has a chance to come in and play right away. Jonathan King, a strong side DN. They lost Robert McCray on that side, so he's a guy that, even though he's a freshman, he's what 6'3", I think 255. 
summer of lifting. Hopefully, you can get him around 270 um, or close to it. I think he's a guy that at least can be in the rotation and give you some give you some snaps there. And then Jamar Johnson's just another long, athletic DB. Um, you know, where they've really kind of trended towards that. The more the Jonathan Crawford type DBs in this class. So they, they finished strong. And um, you know, like you said, a couple of them, especially James Miller, looks like a guy who could step in and play pretty soon. One thing Coach Allen said, and I have no reason not to believe him, but he said that they really just targeted three guys and they got all three. I mean, that's kind of remarkable in this day and age. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, and I think that's a product of having the two signing periods because you could kind of do that. And I think it was a case of they would have been – I mean, obviously they wanted all three, but if they didn't get one of the three or two of or whatever, I don't know that they would have – I think they just would have stopped with whoever they got at this point and then maybe bank the scholarships for next year. Or maybe, you know, if there's a, if there's a grad transfer, I think that's something they'll look at after the semester when those guys start to, you know, come out. Um, but, yeah, to, get, to only have three – I mean, it was, for me – uh, this was a weird February because usually I'm, you know, not sleeping much and it's been crazy, but it was real low key and laid back and, and I kind of liked it. So it was nice that way. But and I think it was that way for them, too. They could they could just kind of focus on these three guys. And, and and that probably helped. I mean, when you can devote all your resources to just three guys instead of having to devote your resources to 23 or whatever it is, um, it's it's a lot easier and you can really give them the personal attention. So um, it's uh, it, it's unusual that you only have three guys you're going for in the signing day. But because of the work they did in December, that's that's how it kind of tur- play, or turned out. It wasn't that long ago with Indiana football that we would hear that so-and-so chose IU over Ball State or Eastern <laughs> Michigan or whatever. In this class, I mean, with Miller and also with Penix too, right? Mm-hmm. They both chose Indiana over Florida State, and I know there were other examples of that in this recruiting class. But, I mean, w- what does that say for where Indiana football is getting to? Well, I think it shows how good of a recruiting uh, staff that Indiana has. I mean, these guys can really recruit. A lot of them were, you know, brought in under Kevin Wilson, and obviously the office of staff is all new, but um, they can really recruit. I mean, there's no doubt about it, and it, it would be, I think, for fans, exciting to see what happens if you can get to a seven or eight win season, and then what the kind of recruiting that comes after that. Usually, you don't see it the year after. Maybe, you know, like if you had a good season this fall, maybe the 2020 class where it really shows up. But I, you know, I think I think this is the, the this kind of recruiting will be the norm as long as they can keep the program headed the right direction and, and start getting some W's out there on the field. But it's it's impressive. I mean, it shows building those relationships. I mean, James Miller, Florida State was fighting hard for him, and he, you know, for him to choose Indiana, it's a big statement. Same thing with Michael Penix. You know, he was a guy that they really were interested in, it and and um, you know, they struck out on quarterback in this class. You know, I mean, they might have maybe tried to push harder for him if they could have because they they missed out on some guys here late. So, um, and it's the other positions. You know, they had a lot of guys that they you know that could have gone to other places. Big Ten schools, other Power Five schools, and there's not too many guys in this class where it was, like you said, Indiana over the MAC. And it's it it shows it just shows how good the recruiting it is and how good it can be if they can, like I said, you know, turn it into uh, you know uh, better results on the field. Visiting with Matt Weaver of Peace.com, quite a. Uh, quite a Floridian flavor to this group. I think almost a third of the class or whatever. Yeah. And um, I, I guess how important is that too? And now, it seemed, did Illinois have a bunch of people from Florida too and maybe it didn't work out? As, I mean, it, it, you have to get the right kids yeah. from Florida too. Yeah, well, and if you remember, Purdue did that under um, uh, Danny Hope. 
he was a he's a Florida guy, and he really almost kind of ignored the state. Now they're not doing that. The, it, the state of Indiana is their most important state for Coach Allen and his staff, but. There's so many players down there. They all can't go to Miami or FSU or Florida or all those other SEC schools. I mean, there's a lot of good players down there, and it makes sense to recruit. I mean, it's it's not a terrible flight from you know the Tampa Orlando area up to Indianapolis. It's not it's not that bad. I mean, obviously the drive isn't great, but it's you guys can hop on there and be up here in, in a few hours or whatever. So, and I think some of them are intrigued by playing in the Big Ten. They're intrigued by you know if they're not recruited by Ohio State, playing against Ohio State, playing against Penn State and Michigan. So. Um, I think it's really important. Georgia's another important state. Um, they didn't get anybody from Ohio. That'll be an important state. But I think that was more of just kind of an aberration. I don't think that'll be – I just think it happened. And really, Tennessee kind of replaced Ohio in this class this year. They got the four Tennessee kids. I think going forward, like they had a junior day this past weekend, had four or five Ohio kids. I think you'll see Ohio being a, uh, a big part of the, the, their classes. It just kind of turned out that way this year. But Florida and Georgia will be huge going forward. And I think you'll see them in Texas some too. But those two southern states, because – um, their ties there, and because these kids they want to play Big Ten football, and Indiana can, is their chance. And even even if they have like James Miller, Michael Penix, a chance to stay down there. Sometimes they want to get out and go somewhere else and, and do something new. There's also the the contagious part of this, right? Where they see, like Coach Allen said in the press conference, they see people that they know coming up to Indiana and being successful. Right. Yeah, and when I when I talked to Jamar Johnson after he committed, uh, one of the things he said about why he liked Indiana, he's like they got a lot of Florida boys up there. I mean, and he said that when he came up here, they're almost they within the group of the team, they have their own little group. You know, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's all kind of little cliques and everything. But he said you could he said you can kind of tell the Florida guys, and they you know Florida players have a different. I mean, I'm the biggest fan of this word swag, but they do. They have a different a swagger to them because football is so big down there, and I think those guys just kind of gravitate and they have a different mentality and it's good to have that in Indiana it's, it's not too often that you have the kind of I don't want to say arrogance but really really confident kind of players at Indiana it's usually the other way around and so it's kind of I think it's good to have those guys because they can bring that kind of personality that that winning teams have um, and to see Jonathan Crawford do well Donovan Hale do well um, uh, you know Greg Gooch had a nice career all these guys from Florida that have played well um, you know Raheem Lane played last year as a true freshman so it, it, it's it's definitely appealing to these guys because you can play right away and you can play in big-time football games. So whenever they have these kinds of press conferences on signing day, of course he's going to accentuate all the positives, and you expect that. But when you look at this class, were there areas or positions that you felt they missed on that, that could be a concern moving forward? I think the only thing you maybe would have liked to have gotten is maybe one more tackle. Oh, tackle. Um, I mean, I think you got your quarterback, you got a couple running backs, so Stevie Scott could play linebacker. Um, uh, I like Nick Morozis. He's listed as a tackle. I think he kicks inside. I'm not sure he has the length to play. He's kind of like, a, I'm not saying he's this good, but body-wise, he's kind of like a Dan Feeney, that kind of that kind of length. I mean, Dan Feeney could play right tackle, but it was more of a need than really where his best spot was. Aiden Rafferty is a tackle. Um, and then obviously Nick Linder, he's only here for one year, but he's an interior guy. So maybe if you could have got one more tackle, the problem they have at O-line is a lot of their O-linemen are young. So you don't, if you take too many, you overload one position, and then you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, that kind of thing. You can't recruit at another position. So um, I would say that. I mean, 
I guess maybe if you could have got one more, maybe one more receiver. Um, you know, trusting they moved Jonah Morris, they lost Taysier Mack. Obviously, Simi went pro, um, but it's not. I don't think that's you know. If you have the injuries you had this past year at receiver, then you're going to be a little thin. But I don't think it's a huge deal. But I mean, I, it's kind of nitpicking. I don't think there's anything where they where it was they. It was a big, devastating miss. I just think if they could have got one more tackle, great. Maybe got one more receiver. But all, but all in all, I think they did, especially getting James Miller at the end. It wasn't a big need at linebacker, but, I mean, to get a guy like that, you can't pass on him. I think all in all, maybe could have got one more interior D lineman. They wanted Alan Love, who was out of Alabama. He, he signed with Louisville. Um, but they, they're pretty good on the interior of the D-line, so it's kind of nitpicking. It's not big losses, but, you know, in a perfect world, ideally, maybe you get those guys and, and um, add them to this class. Last thing, it was kind of an oh-by-the-way comment he made up there, but uh, that Tyler Green is transferring, did it surprise you or? Well, I mean, the one, I mean, he's a he's a ju- he's a true junior, so I'm I'm assuming he's gonna have to sit out unless he drop maybe he'll drop down a level. I, I'm not sure where he's transferring to, but he had kind of, if you notice, I mean, you know, he played a little bit as a freshman his sophomore year, he was kind of in there. This past year, he kind of got jumped by Raheem Lane and uh, LaDamian Hunt on the depth chart, and he was more of a special teams guy. So I guess if you go back and look at how his playing time kind of went down a little bit, it's not to me a huge surprise. Um, he would, it would have been nice to have him because even though he doesn't play a lot, he's a senior. You know, you, those veterans are always good. But, you know, if he wants to play then and he didn't feel like he was going to happen here, then, I, you know, that's not shocking. But I wouldn't say it was a huge surprise, but a little bit caught off guard because I, I, you wonder where the attrition was coming from because they're on my scholarship chart, they're over on their numbers. But now with Tyler Knight and Tyler Green and Jamil Cook, they're back and it probably gives them another spot or two if they want to go get a grad transfer. He's Matt Weaver of Pigs.com. Um, read his work there. Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at MB underscore Weaver, I believe is my Twitter handle. Um, and that's where you can find me. Okay. Thanks a lot, Matt. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it. So thanks to Matt Weaver for joining us and talking a little IU football and giving his insights. And again, Matt's a great, uh, uh, you know, Indiana football beat writer for many years and has a real good inside take on Indiana football recruiting. It was great to have him join us to talk about IU football. Our final segment looks at, uh, it always looks at what's coming up in the next week or so. And so what I really want to just focus on again is what happens with Indiana basketball. They start a uh, three-game in six-day stretch on Saturday, again, Indiana will be at Iowa City to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes on Saturday, February the 17th. That's a 2 p.m. tip on ESPN2. Then on uh, Tuesday night, the Hoosiers travel to Nebraska. It's a late game, 9 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. And then on Friday night... Indiana closes out the regular season against Ohio State, a team that beat um, Indiana 71-56 back on January the 30th in Columbus. And Indiana will face Ohio State on senior night on Friday the 23rd with a 8 p.m. tip, and that game will be televised on FS1. Then Indiana will have, you know, the weekend off 
head to New York, and then six days after playing Ohio State, they will open up the uh, Big Ten tournament on Thursday night, March the 1st, and against an opponent still to be determined. And we'll find out what seed they are come the end of uh, next weekend. But that's what we have for this Hoosier Insider podcast. Again, um, I'm Terry Hutchins of CNHI Sports Indiana. I covered Indiana the last 20 years. And always interested in your feedback. If there was things you liked or didn't like about uh, the podcast, let us know. Try to make it better. This is our first year doing it. And uh, I, I think it's been, uh, we've had some good guests and been able to, you know, just weekly kind of spend a little time talking about Indiana and, and what has gone well and what hasn't gone well. And uh, so that wraps up this week's Who's Your Insider podcast, and we'll see you next time.